Hello, friends and listeners, party people. Welcome to part one of the Party XP Anniversary Specials. In this episode, Jeff and I wanted to go through our first year together and put together some segments that we really enjoyed looking back upon. We considered doing everything in one recording, but then we realized we might have ended up with a two-hour, three-hour-plus episode, especially since we had a lot to catch up on with each other in person. So to keep ourselves sane, as well as for you, the listener, we broke it down into two parts. Today's episode will be the anniversary clip episode, and we will be back next week with part two with an in-person discussion. So sit back and enjoy some of our favorite moments from the first year of us doing the show together. Thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy the episode. This first set of clips comes from episode three, Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Jeff did not like this game. I really enjoyed this one. Um, he... We both love them games. I love roguelikes. I thought this might have been up his alley. Apparently not. I was very wrong in this read. Uh, pretty good rant here from Jeff. I got a couple of retorts in. And yeah, I just think this was really funny. And pretty early on, we were able to get our first episode that where one of us didn't like the other's recommendation. Enjoy. Okay, so now that we're uh, now that we're back and we've gotten um, gotten... Uh, Cryptothenic Redancer under Jeff's hands and let him, you know, kind of just go off on his own and explore the game. Let me know how you feel. What What are your first impressions about the game? All right. Uh, okay. So first impressions of the game were, oh, this is kind of cool. This is a fun, charming little game. You know, I, I started as uh, the the main character, the girl on the, the cover art. I don't know Cadence. her name. Her name is Cadence. Cadence, that's right. Fun, yeah, and, and everyone's yeah. names are musical related to, which is, I find kind of cute. Right, and at first, you know, you, you kind of get your feet wet, right? And you're trying to figure out the game, and you die a lot. And, you know, it, uh... It, it it happens like that, right? Where where you're you're in that that intro phase, the first couple of tries, and doesn't you, go really well. Yeah, you die. You're trying repeat, to learn the mechanics, die, repeat, play die, repeat kind of deal. Uh huh. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. You want to know how long I I managed to play this game for? I go for it. Um. Uh. I was hoping you were. I was hoping you were going to play this for a while and enjoy it. 73 minutes because if i played it for 74 i would not be here talking to you because i'd either be dead from a heart attack or i would have strangled somebody this is without a doubt the most frustrating game i have ever played in my entire life are you serious i i I hate this game what (laughs) i hate them i hate crypt of the necrodancer i hate this stupid game i'm so frustrated (laughs) every single time i logged into this stupid game (laughs) and tried to play it i got through like 15 minutes and i said forget it i'm done i'm not gonna I'm done. Really? No, I, I, what happened? Oh, yeah. What happened? What what made you so angry about this game? Okay. Roguelikes are already difficult enough as it is. Rhythm games are already difficult enough as it is. Now I have to play them at the same time. Okay? Yeah, I thought you so, liked it. I thought so too, but you know what? I guess not. And honestly, so that's that's one issue. So the only way this game was even playable for me was playing as the bard. And I guess we'll talk about that a little more later because the characters change the way that the game functions, right? Yeah, they yeah. each have their own set of mechanics uh, and like mechanics, mo- right? Mechanics and game mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Correct. So not only is it incredibly frustrating and look you know not to go off on a side tangent here but i i understand uh, there's a, honestly there's a honestly go of, for go for it honestly just go no, i want to hear i want to hear your thoughts go for it no but uh, you know i i i am from the school of get good right that yeah. i i do want you grind games out you, these... you play fighting games like you were literally in the get good or you're just not gonna enjoy this game kind of deal 
Right. So I understand that there is a level of get good. So please understand, dear listener, that there I, I understand that I am not good at this game, but there is a difference between not being good at this game and wanting to get better and wanting to never play this game ever again. And that's where I am with this. Oh, man, this hurts to hear. Jeff. I never oh, want to no. play this again. I cannot wait to uninstall this game. I'm going to film it and I'm going to share it with our viewers when I uninstall this and get this out of my life forever. <laughs> the combat is frustrating. Everything's just frustrating. And it, it gets to the point, especially once you finally manage to get past world one, you finally get to world two. And everything hits harder. Everything hurts you for most of your health. And now, look, should I have put more time into it to get the permanent upgrades? Yes, I, I get it. Again, like I, I, I understand that I'm coming from a place that kind of sounds like I need to get good. And you're right, but I don't want to get good at this. I, I would rather just play something that makes me happy. And this isn't it. You're going to lose everything if you get hit anyway in this fucking game, so who cares? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Just don't get hit. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, play absolutely perfectly every single time you play this stupid fucking game and yeah, this stupid fucking go roguelike. To, go to a music school for five years, get a degree, and yeah, just play get, record dancer. <laughs> get, get fucking good, scrub, dumb fucking loser. I actually used this game uh, once to teach music to my kids. Those poor children. No <laughs> I mean, like, they happen to enjoy it, so there's that. But honestly, that should make you proud, because they are trying to break through walls in something, so they can carry that over to music, and they can be better musicians, um, because they are learning how to how to break through. They're learning how to be successful in things, even if it is a video game. You can use the same skills, which is basically just study and practice and get better, right? And just keep keep on yeah. grinding. If it, if it works in video games, it'll work in music. It'll work in writing. It'll work in anything else in life. I, I, I hate to always bring it back to this, but it was a really big time for me is when, you know, I, I started putting in the work in Street Fighter 4 um, to, to sort of take that next level. And the amount of notes that I took and, and stu you know, studying and learning, I applied that to being in college. And I, I like got onto Dean's list. My GPA skyrocketed, even though I was, you know, dicking around playing video games a lot. Um, I actually was doing better in school because I was learning how to. I was learning how to take better notes. I was learning how to study better. How to like put and, your head, like, you know, head down focus kind of situation, right? Right. And I I, I think that I, I credit it to the work that I put into fighting games to get better, to teaching me how to study in school and how to, you know, how to best take notes and what I, how I learned more effectively, right? I, I definitely think that if you're listening to this and you are someone who, who gets serious with any aspect of life, just keep in mind that you can transfer those skills, those same habits, those same things into anything else that you do. So, you know, don't don't think of it as just some stupid game. Right. I, I think with our generation and, and sort of the, the generations coming up. Uh, I think people are understanding of games more than maybe our parents and grandparents would be, but don't 
think of these things as just stupid hobbies that number one, you can't apply lessons that you've learned to other things in life. And I only say this because I'm someone who basically for the last, what, hour here, maybe 50 minutes, uh, has railed against a game that (laughs) I didn't put any time into and I don't want to get better at, um, which is also how I feel about uh, complex mathematics, you know, algebra and trigonometry and all that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't need to do this, so I won't. Right. I don't want to get better at that, so I'm not going to. But if you find something that you're passionate about and you do want to get better at it, then you, you'll you you'll put in the time and you'll do it. You can transfer those skills into other facets of your life. I, I just want to leave people with some positives here because, again, basically the entire answer to me is just get good, scrub. But, eh, nah. I'm good. This one's not for you. Okay, that's fair. I want you to give this one more shot, maybe down the line. Give it a give it a month break and try it again. You know, just to see if you change your mind on it. But again, you're not. Again, not ever. I'm surprised that you were actually like the first person who I recommended this game to, and just did not just bounced off this game. Yeah, I know. I was shocked. I was shocked. Like it, when it, when it set in that like, oh, I don't like this. This is just not fun for me. Um, it was it was weird to me because it was just like I should really like this. We were stoked. I, we I were stoked don't. for this episode. We were. <laughs> yeah, like oh, well. it's fine. I guess we we ripped the bandaid off. Where we finally found a game in our show. And it was relatively early, three episodes in, we found a, we found a game that one of us just did not like and just did not enjoy. So uh, I saw you playing a little bit more today. How much? How much time do you get into this game? We'll talk about it. Okay. Please uh, don't lose this because I'm gonna have one shot basically to talk about the game at uh, like an entertaining level. This next set of clips comes from episode eight VTubers. This was our first non-gaming episode. Um, Jeff lightly ribbed me actually behind the scenes, uh, you know, before we even started the podcast of why I consume this type of content so much. And once we actually did this episode, we actually had a pretty good discussion about why I enjoy this type of content so much. We also ended up in a discussion about the separation of streamers and content creators and the consumers, the viewers, and a little bit of the weirdness that kind of comes with also being a a female streamer and a, or a, versus a, being a male streamer online nowadays. Pro wrestler Mace uh, yeah. streams as a VTuber oh, on yeah. Twitch. And uh-huh. he has uh, said in an interview or I think uh, like an, on our comment in during one of the streams that both professions were literally the same thing. Yeah. So oh, yeah. for hearing, hearing it from like a wrestler, like actually seeing the clip of him saying it, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So there is like this clearly like this, um, this like bridge or this connection that these two seemingly very different things actually have very much so in common. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, Mace is formerly Brennan Williams. He used to play for the Houston Texans. And then when his football career ended, he transitioned into professional wrestling. He started uh, working for Booker T's promotion. You might remember that name. Booker oh, yeah, T. I know, yeah, I know Booker, I know Booker T. That's a uh, yeah, guy, so we right? started working for Reality of Wrestling. Yes, the Spinaroonie yeah, man. Yeah, the very yeah. Spin. Um, so he started working for Reality of Wrestling, and then he got picked up by WWE, and throughout his uh, career, he's always been a big anime fan. Um, he was 
infamous. I believe he brought a Daki Makura to training camp. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's Don't awesome. quote me on it. He's a cultured man. Cultured man. So it's been a week. It's been a week. And I've watched enough VTubers, for, for me at least. Oh, okay. So you and so, okay, let's, let's, No, let's, no, let's, no. Uh, okay, it's not, it's not that bad. Yet. Okay. No, not, not, no. You, you didn't hate it as much as you thought you were going to? No, 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 no. So I don't, I don't hate them. Okay. okay, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. Okay. Um, this is going to fringe into a very special episode territory. I will tell you that, um, because I under, I get them. Like I understand VTubers. I I know why they're popular. I know why people like them. They're not really for me, mm-hmm. but I get it, and I think they're important. Okay. And I'm excited that these people are finally going to have a chance to. To, to exist in this streaming world, right? Yeah. And exist in this content creation world as something that feels more authentic to their true selves than maybe their own physical appearance. So let's go ahead and get into your opinions, I guess, then. So, or how, or I guess even how we got started down this rabbit hole for you. Uh, so you, I gave you the topic, and then did uh, what was the first thing I guess you looked up? Because I threw a couple of recommendations out at you into our chat. And did you go by those right away, or did you just say, I'm just going to go ahead and make a new account, put in VTubers, and to see what happens? No, yeah. So I like I looked for the people that you recommended. Okay. And it, it didn't pop up. No. Not like, like nobody, I, I guess because their, their streaming times and the times where I'm online mm-hmm. don't really match up. Okay. I guess because they're maybe overseas or what have you. Yeah. I mean, or whatever. Also, or like what, not even like clips of them, though? I'm assuming clips showed up, I, but maybe not the streams themselves if they weren't. It might not. It might have been that. Okay. It might have been the case where I didn't see them live. And I wanted to see them live because I wanted to be able to see them in the wild. Right. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to um, notice what, you know, how they interacted with people while they were actually live streaming. You know, I did watch the clips and I, I was able to see. And it's like, yeah, yeah, like I get it. But they the difference for me was like the clips just kind of seemed like normal clips. Just like you would normally watch a normal content creator's right. clips. Yeah, it, it feel, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's all it's all in the same kind of style, especially nowadays with everyone has this like kind of um, jump cutty kind of aesthetic to their videos, right? Right. And again, a lot of the clippers that are out there right now for VTubers are fans. They're not like they're not hired by the company. There are a couple who are hired by whatever if they're from a company or hired specifically for that VTuber if they're an independent VTuber. But a lot of them are just like, you know, editors who may edit for other people as well. But there's like, hey, I really like this VTuber. I'm going to edit clips for them, like h- funny highlight moments or whatever. And it, it just comes down to, I guess, what in terms of what kind of content you're looking for in the first place. Um, right, so, you, sure. so you said for you, clips was like mostly, I guess, what you kind of saw since you couldn't really find a lot of the streams anyway, at least in, in terms of like timing, essentially. Right. Oh, no, I found plenty of streams. Okay. I didn't find the people that you recommended. Okay. So I was watching people. The, the main thing that I used this opportunity for was to watch these VTubers play games I wanted to learn more about. Mm. So okay. yeah, I watched sense. a couple of VTubers playing Tower of Fantasy, which is that new Genshin Impact-esque kind of, uh, you know, anime girl beat up game. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw a lot of them putting up videos recently mm-hmm. of that because it just came out, so... And I also watched a couple of VTubers play the, uh, oh God, the Lamb game. I oh, can't cult, think of it cult right of now. the Lamb. Yes, thank you. Great game, by the uh, way. If you get your hands on that, go ahead and play that one yeah. too. Uh, so, so I watched some people play that. 
And like my my original notes just off the cuff were the following: like, do they ever stop talking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I and and I I know why they they talk often. It's because they don't have the ability to emote using their hands or other sorts of visual stimuli as if they were filming themselves, right? Yeah, like a regular streamer, you're, basically. You're, you're, right, your virtual avatar is limited in what it can do. So in order to stay engaged, you have to basically comment on everything. You can't sit there in silence for too long because then it's just a picture of a 3D model over a video game and it's not engaging to people, right? For me, coming from like that traditional media background, it was a little tough to sort of, I don't want to say tolerate, but that's kind of the best word that I can use to describe it, mm -hmm. is that it was, it was tough. And, and honestly, it bordered on obnoxious for some of, the, some of the VTubers, even though I know they weren't being obnoxious and they were kind of just, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. I don't know, something like like the old man, crotchety old man in me kind of was like, oh, my God, shut up. You're so obnoxious. <laughs> Give it a moment to breathe. Let, let, the mo let the moment play out kind of deal, right? Right. You have to. Right. Exactly. When, when you say something or when you do something or if something funny happens. So like the one girl I was watching playing Tower of Fantasy, right? Do you have a name? Uh, Cherimu. C-H-E-R-I-M-U. Cherimu. OK, I think I've heard the name. He got like obliterated by the boss mm -hmm. after respawning and running all the way back down to the boss fight. And normally, like, like I would just sit there in silence. And yeah, I would just like a let the... like a moment of you seething, basically. <laughs> right, exactly. But she didn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, okay. I think it's because. There's a couple ideas that I used to have in my head anyway. I think first off, in streaming in general, I don't like backseaters. That's that's like if especially if you're the person streaming, and you already know what you're doing, or you have a partial idea of what you're doing, and say you want to figure things out by yourself, that's perfectly fine, right? It's partially that, and then also I think partially there's a bit of it that is a little bit toxic at the same time. Um, I don't like using that word in general, but it's the it's it's the um. Like it could be also because a lot of them are female as well too. You know what I mean? Like a lot, a lot of a lot uh -huh. of uh, people do react like, oh well, you know. So like, first off, there's already the separation of like a female, uh, like a woman who just plays video games, right, or a girl who plays video games, right? Then like, uh, like a, there are some you know shitty guys out there basically who just think, oh no, I already know better than them, so I'm just gonna tell them what to do. And then now we create another barrier in front of that as well. It's like, oh well, you're you're a female who's not even like you know brave enough to show her face or hiding behind an avatar. Now there's another degree of separation there on top of the fact that there's internet and anonymity. I think. Oh no, I get it. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of that gets stomped out if the streamer is doing not even just a, not even just a VTuber, but if the streamer is doing a good job of letting the chat know they don't accept certain things in their chat in the first place, right? You create boundaries for yourself and for your chat. Right. And I think that I think people who do react very relatively like aggressive to it are the ones who I think even if they were streaming as a regular person wouldn't do a very good job of creating those boundaries because the ones that I watch actually like are kind of cool with having their chat help them out if something happens or they miss something you know what I mean it also it might also because come to personality but I think that that's right. that's I think where I see it as like why some of them are very defensive especially when it comes to 
backseating or some of the comments in chat. Right. And I, I'm glad you brought up the gender of the people, because this is what I was talking about earlier when I, I was talking about this being a very special episode. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, you know, there, there are male VTubers, yeah. but a lot of the people that populate these are, are behind the VTubers are women. I, yeah. whether they're biological or they're trans women, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think VTubers are incredibly important for those people. And especially, right, with, with someone transitioning, I, I think it can mean a lot to them to be able to present as a woman and maybe not have the, the negative attention from people that just want to stir the pot right yeah so people yeah. come in and be like oh god what the fuck is that you know that that's fucked up and i i think vtubers give these people a chance to live their truth in in a in a sincere and earnest way and so like that that's kind of goes back to what i said like i i think they're important and i think they deserve to exist i just don't know if they're for me but i i hope they don't go anywhere and i hope this stuff kind of continues to take off because I, I think it's important for these people to, to get more people into streaming and into video games and into these communities that maybe would be afraid to stream, to show their face. They don't have the confidence. They're nervous about the way that people would interpret them or, or look at them. And, and they have this, this safety net, right? This, this basically like the substitute in Pokemon. I, I I'm sure there's a better term for this but you know how you have the substitute in pokemon and it, you replace it with the doll right yeah, yeah and and it takes all of the the attacks and things it, it serves as like that buffer between the real person behind the avatar and um the, the you know the the unfiltered unmitigated people you know weirdos on twitch yeah like I, I remember the first time when i i guess vtubers became i guess like not mainstream, but I guess the first time they dipped into the reg the rest of streaming culture, I remember it was like Pokemon or Lily Pichu, one of them, like like so, like one one of those like you know one of those popular uh, uh, female Twitch streamers, right? And it might have been Pokey. I, I, I might be both of them for for all that matters. But like, like I remember them saying like there are certain days they just don't feel confident. They don't want to be in front of a camera. You know what I mean? But then people are like, oh, why isn't your camera on? You know, why are you showing your face when you're streaming? And it's like, maybe they just don't feel like it. If they were a guy, would you question it? You know what I mean? Like how many, how many male streamers are there who hope people come just there for gameplay and hearing them talk? Right. But like, but because they're female and then like the guys who have like, I guess not like feelings towards them, I guess, but it's maybe it's like, oh, in the back of their mind, it's like, oh, you know, I want to see them. You know what I mean? Like in, in a maybe a slightly creepier way, I guess. Right. Horny. Horny. Yeah. Horny. There we go. Horny way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, right. you, thank you for just saying it. I guess in the most simple way for me, just get the get the yeah. message across. But yeah, yeah you're know, like, oh, you know, but like, I want to see you. You know, it was like, like a, a guy or a girl. Like, you know, there are certain days you just don't feel great about yourself. You know what I mean? But especially if you're a streamer and that's your job, you still have to show up. They, it's 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 a way for them to still feel somewhat comfortable while still having like a face present presented out out to right. the forward facing public. Right? Like, it may not be their face, but it's it's a way for them to still have a way for the for them to have something to like you know, especially for the viewer to look at and connect the voice to uh editing like on here uh by the way the term i was looking for was like a weird parasocial relationship and slightly possessive that's what i was looking for here jeff helped me out and then i ended up figuring it out afterwards
Right. And, and the other thing, too, is your VTuber avatar can be whatever you want it to be. It can look however you want it to look. Yeah. Right? So if you want a, you know, a new hairstyle or if you want to change the way it looks or if you want to give it a new outfit or whatever, like, like you control all of that. And it's easier to edit a 3D model or a 2.5D model than it is to, I don't know, get plastic surgery if you're, if you're, if you're not confident in the way you look or mm-hmm. if, you, you know, if you're going through that transition and let's say you still have your Adam's apple or you still have something feminine, right? If you're going female to male, right? You yeah. still have your, your breasts, right? You have to tape them down. If you're, a, you know, if you're a VTuber, you don't have to worry about that. And that's, it's kind of why I think it's important, man. And, and I'm happy that these people can do it. Like I, like I, throughout my travels, I couldn't tell you who they were, but I definitely stumbled on a few people that were pretty obviously like trans women Mm -hmm. doing this. And I'm like, good for you, man. Like, honestly, good for you. And I remember I was like expecting, I was like, I'm going to get rinsed for this. But like, for some reason, I (laughs) I just feel compelled to share this girl doing something funny. You know what I mean? You know, I got a couple of jabs from you guys, but it's mostly it's, it's all in jest, obviously. Right. It's just like they're like, okay, this is what you're into now, Lacan. Okay. Okay. We see you. <laughs> you know, I was like, and like I just feel, I can just feel the judgment, just like, oh no, yeah. oh no, they think I'm weird. <laughs> again, you you said uh, what was the major point again for you? What was the major point again for you? Is like you understand what it is. You're not the biggest fan of it. I support it. I, I get it. it. I I just don't think I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole i think once in a while maybe but I, I think that's about it do you do you at least think you find those random funny out of context clips like um sakura miko playing gta 5 are like enough for you to like enjoy at least yes like the it's shit, funny as like hell the sh- like the shit posty stuff is more kind of like your speed i guess in terms of, of this stuff right like everything else in life yeah yeah i get you okay yeah so if that's the case maybe if i find something funny i'll just send it to you and like like at least you and me will be able to enjoy it maybe not everybody, everybody else in our group no, they won't because they're yeah. all boomers. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, they're very much so in their lane. I guess, I guess that's it. I, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you really, you gave it a shot. Um, Look, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here ranting and raving about it, right? I was hoping like, it's a, ha- I was, I was it's ho- a happy ending. I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was scared you was gonna trash this, like you trash script of the Necro Dancer. That's, that's, nope. that's what I was scared of. This next set of clips comes from the pro wrestling episode, episode nine, the one right after VTubers. Uh, Jeff got me to watch some more of uh, modern pro wrestling, and we also did a little bit of a, a reach back to watch one of the WrestleManias. Um, again, I used to be an old pro wrestling fan, not so much anymore. I watch with my friends occasionally, but that's really about it. Uh, this was just a fun, honestly, just like a fun time for me to go back and you know get some nostalgia from some old wrestling stuff. All right, friends, welcome back to Party XP. I'm Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Lacan. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I've gotten a couple, uh, I've done a couple things to rearrange my, uh, my setup here in my, in my place. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How's that going? Doing pretty good. Uh, I got a couple, you know, just cleaned, organized, reorganized a couple things. I ended up actually getting another shelf uh, for my clothes, and I also got another shelf for my uh, figures here. Yeah. Oh, uh, you so, want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, listeners, I am a big fan of anime. Um, I I buy these uh, anime waifu figures. Uh huh. Nothing extremely lewd. Just like you know, they're usually pretty. Uh-huh. They're, they're actually pretty cute. I have some from um, from Rent a Girlfriend. I have some from Demon Slayer. Uh, from ReZero. I have one from uh, One Punch Man. 
and a couple from uh-huh. the quintessential quintuplets. And then, and I had, and so I had another shelf in my room where I had more of like my action figures, right? Uh huh. And so I had like a Goku, a Gundam, a Nendoroid from Sora from um from Kingdom Hearts, and I have um some Tanjiro's from uh, Demon Slayer. And now because I have another shelf in my room, I'm able to put them together. And it's kind of funny just like looking at the shelf, and I have like Goku, a Gundam, and Sora. And then on the underneath it, on the the shelves below it, is just the boxes for the waifu figures. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's just uh-huh. like <laughs> for the for the and for the waifu figures that are on the other shelf next to it. <laughs> so it's just there now. So it's like yeah. Uh-huh. And, and then I, and then behind there, there's the ones in the jar. Right? No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a full on DJ. I just enjoy cute anime aesthetics. That's that's just my thing. We spoke recently about you know VTubers and how similar they are to pro wrestling, and how you really get VTubers, but you don't really understand pro wrestling. And I'm the opposite. So I've been a pro wrestling fan basically my entire life, and I, for whatever reason, have taken to this thing. That makes me miserable, but I really do love it when it's done well. And I don't, I, you know, I, I didn't quite understand the VTubers. I, I understand them on like a an existence level, right? I understand that there are people that don't feel, that maybe don't feel comfortable in their own skin. And so when they are behind this avatar, um, behind the VTuber personality, they do feel more secure and they're able to show their real personality, right? Others just use it as a creative outlet, right? Yeah. Um, as a character that they've designed. And, you know, the more we talked about it, the more I realized that these two things are very similar, right? And we talked about Mace, uh, Brennan Williams, the, the professional wrestler who has a VTuber, who is a VTuber, who has a, a, a virtual avatar. Um, and he even mentioned that these two are very similar. And so I figured since I'm going down the VTuber rabbit hole, why don't you go down some of the pro wrestling rabbit hole and see kind of where I'm coming from. And then the, you know, a lot of our friend group is coming from. I was a fan when I was younger. I, I mm-hmm. like, that's absolutely a thing that I watched on a regular. Um, I watched, you know, back in the 90s when it was a wwf still right at the time yes yeah so i watched Mm -hmm. wwf um i remember i was there for like you know the heyday of like the rock and stone cold and i was a fan of a lot of the older wrestlers like uh i mean Shawn michaels i feel like it's transcended a couple generations right of of, like yeah yeah um i was a big fan of uh, macho man randy savage oh yeah yeah um you know ravishing rick rude you know, like, like I, I, I know a couple, I know a bunch of the names, especially the older generations and like, you right. know, that, like not late nineties, early two thousands gen. And then I think I personally stopped watching when I started wrestling myself and not, not pro mm-hmm. wrestling. I started doing, uh, like a middle, I started wrestling in middle school, like, you know, like collegiate style wrestling. Lacan, well, please cut in the South Park meme, like the 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 wrestling guy from South Park. It's like real wrestling, real wrestling. It's in the Olympics. Yeah, I'll 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 absolutely add that in. I'll find it. Thank you. <laughs> That's not wrestling, dude. That's fucking gay. Yeah, what are you, a child molester? Where's all the cool costumes and jumping off ropes and stuff? Oh, not this again. Let me guess. You just went to that stupid WWE show in Denver last night. Yeah. Oh, the WWE is not wrestling. That's a bunch of fake bullcrap. 
Yeah. Like all of our friends who we, it we never knew, ended, who we knew were jocks, we, you know, which is funny. Like we know friends who are jocks or like, you know, kind of like, you know, you, you wouldn't assume them to be like, you know, to be like nerds about this. But they're like, oh, yeah, like I got the, I got the new Pokemon Diamond. I'm like, what? You? So it's like the same thing here. It's like, OK, like a little bit of like, oh, you know, I used to watch pro wrestling and then like, you know, and then like in high school and, and college. And then in, to this day, it's like, you know, we have friends who like you guys are obviously fans of it and then i find out other friends um you know in other friend groups are like oh yeah i still watch wrestling and i'm just like what like since, oh yeah since when i'm like you wrestling's know, cool now don't you know yeah i, I guess wrestling's cool again i should say i mean like i know i know a little bit of like i see people um one thing that i uh actually you know short tangent here but like you know that bullet club shirt Yes, I know. I own one. So I didn't know that was related to a wrestling organization. I uh-huh. thought that was like a Supreme type of deal. You know what I mean? Like the nope. anti-social social club. I didn't realize that was a thing. I didn't realize nope. it was actually a wrestling thing. Bullet Club is basically like the coolest, the new NWO, right? The new DX. They're the new cool faction that everybody wants. Well, you know, it's been a little while since they've been like the one that everybody wanted to be a part of. They're still around. The merch is still cool. But for a time there, um, Bullet Club was like the like, like I said, the NWO, the DX of this generation, where they were the cool group that everybody wanted to be a part of. And Lacan will have gleaned quite a bit about professional wrestling. So oh, yeah. we will see you then. I Dig- am. Oh, yeah. I'm the cream with the crop. And the cream always rises to the top. Yeah. And then I also realized at this point, there's a lot of cuts, a lot of cuts and like com- commercial breaks in the middle of matches, which throws me off. And then like clips and highlights from last week's event and teasers for next week's event kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, I don't know. I mean, it could be just like um, an industry thing, right? Where like, you know, they're, all, they're on TV. They have to worry about all this stuff like ads and promotions and commercials. And it's just like, man, like I've, I felt like I've seen YouTube videos with better editing. You probably have. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought I was like, am I being too hard on this? You know what I mean? Cause like, again, no, I'm not a really no, big not. fan of this. And I was like, I don't know, man. It feels like there's like, they're ruining the flow of everything that I'm watching. Uh-huh. And I'm like getting actually aggravated. I, I, I like, you know, only like 20 minutes into this whole thing. And it's what, three hours for an episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I had like five pee breaks in 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, sure. I'm going to go get, I'm going to get like some, you know, I have a sandwich in the fridge. I'm going to go grab that. I guess since it's commercial now, why not? Even though I DVR'd it, you know what I mean? Right. I was like I could just keep skipping through. But I was like, yeah, well, I'll go to, I'm going to move along. Yeah, man. It's like the biggest thing, the, the first, my first like main opinion on this whole thing was like, they do a decent job of trying to like uh, expand on last week's thing and create storylines and kind of lead into storylines for the, for upcoming stuff. But because of the way that everything is cut and edited, it feels like I have ADHD and I can't keep up and can't keep track uh-huh. of everything. And it bothers me so much. And that's coming from uh-huh. a guy who watches a lot of YouTube who does. And, you know, a lot of the channels that I watch do these like high amount of like cuts and editing. You know what I mean? Like I watch like Unga Bunga Zoomer content sometimes. I do. Mm-hmm. And it's like and I feel like I have a better job. I do I have a better experience following those than following a professional production like WWE. Yeah, so go ahead, when we're done, go ahead and look up on your social media platform of choice. Probably Twitter would be the best. 
Go look up the name Kevin Dunn and see what people say about him. Kevin Dunn, uh, in okay. the context of WWE. Yeah. Let me make a let me make a note real quick right now, though, so I can look up Kevin Dunn. One second. D U N N. I'm assuming. D U N N. Yeah. Okay, so Kevin Dunn is the head of WWE production, and nobody likes him. Hmm. Okay. He is a he is a controversial figure. Let's just say that. Gotcha. Was he a former wrestler or was he like no, the person no. who was always on the production end of this of this whole thing? Uh Kevin Dunn's dad saved a lot of WWE footage from a fire. And Vince McMahon said that his son would have a job for life. And he meant it. Mm. Oh, okay. So basically, he is not a person who's actually meant to have this job. He's he literally here because of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Nepotism. Nepotism. Yeah, there we go. So this, is uh-huh. a, this is like basically nepot- full on nepotism, nepotism hire. I'm assuming Veer Mahan is like Indian or Bangladeshi or something. Yes. Okay. I, I, I didn't. I never clarified. I never followed it up. But I was like, okay, like so. I was like, let me see what's going on here. My thought here was, I don't remember there being like a lot of notable. A lot, not not like not any, but I mean, not a lot. Like I know the Iron Sheik, you know, was was one, but like right. not not a lot of Middle Eastern, Indian, Bangladeshi, Sri Lankan wrestlers. You know what I mean? Within the pro, mm-hmm. within like the pro WWE, WWF productions, either. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. There's a lot more people who are like, I guess, more into this um, from other cultures, which is kind of cool. I always appreciate. Right. I, I, that was like a nice little appreciation thing for me because um, one thing I do think about when I watch this stuff is that it, it does give people like a hero to look up to. You know what I mean? Like even if, if you, especially if you get into it, and you're committed to the to the whole thing. Where like the stereotype for wrestling is a lot of drunken white dudes, right? It just, mm-hmm. just, and I, and I see a, yeah, there's a good amount of them in the crowd. Yeah. But it's like, especially back then to now, I see a lot more diversity in, within the fan base, you know, which I, which I appreciate regardless of if I, if I watched the production or not, even watching the WrestleMania a couple months ago, I think, right. With, um, who was the chick with the, uh, the, with my hair back and forth chick, Bianca Belair. Yeah. yeah. It was like seeing like, like young black women, like young black girls watching, you know, like a, a pro wrestler and having somebody to like cheer for, you know what I mean? And uh, we we can def- I, like uh, we'll touch on it a little bit more when we talk about the WrestleMania we watched uh, together as a group, and, mm-hmm. and you know you explained some stuff through us. But it's like yeah, like again, like that that production was very very white. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a majority yeah. a majority of the, the all the female fi- all the all the women's fights were were white. A majority of the guys competing were white, especially with the one with the main storylines. But here it's like, especially nowadays, it's like, oh, it's cool to see more diversity and people who are like, you know, and not just because of like diversity hires, but like there are genuine people who want to perform within this, you know, production, this product and really enjoy themselves. And then which also brings more people of other other backgrounds into being into the fandom, which I really appreciate. I like I like that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Because when I was younger, it's like the only real connection that I had to pro wrestling was I was like, man, I hope there's a brown dude there. (laughs) <laughs> like you know, what I, mean? I just like I don't care if they're if they're not even Asian or Filipino. Like, bro, Rikishi, I'll take it, bro. We're close. We're bi- he's big and brown. I'll take him. Yeah. You know, like the Rock. I was like, I don't even know what he is. He could be Filipino for all I knew. Especially back then, he was very you know very like people were not sure of what he was. So I was like, okay, sure, maybe he's Filipino. I'll take it. I had Yokozuna. You know what I mean? And even then, right. he, he wasn't even like he wasn't even Japanese. <laughs> He was Samoan. Yeah. Like, and then I, that's when I realized that there's a lot of Samoans within, you know, back then when I realized Samoans were mm-hmm. like very, very big in the wrestling scene. But like, that, that was really it. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like a lot of like white wrestlers, uh, black wrestlers, and then like Samoan wrestlers. And very occasionally you'll see an Asian dude, like an actual, like an actual East Asian guy. 
because you know we talked about uh new japan and there there is a whole japan uh wrestling league and the, a giant underground scene for them as well you know i've mentioned the great okan uh is one of those ones that i've watched because he's a big fan of like, right. some vtubers that i watch uh, again i don't know how many of them are ever going to break into the scene here you know instead of mainstream popularity here in the here in the u.s and the west but it's cool at least you know in general there's just more people that people more performers and uh and wrestlers that people can that uh, of other cultures can get behind and then they uh oh yeah then they which led into the lashley uh styles match yeah Again, and I thought same thing for when I saw that. And I know of Lashley because uh, we've talked about him before in our group chat. He's has a history aside for outside of wrestling as well. Uh, built like a absolute brick shit house, just yeah. the absolute oh, yeah. unit of a man. Like, and it's funny because like you know the other people who he's like you know fighting in the ring are also very much so big and jacked and in shape, but Lashley just looks absolutely built different. <laughs> Super, he's a unicorn. Like he, he is one of one. Yeah, and also again, it's a championship fight, right? For them, all I think was like, man, there's way more impact or better choreo or both or whatever. Just bigger hits, more stuff happening. I do actually I literally have like almost like no notes for this one because this one I absolutely just got lost in. Like I was this. Yeah, like, this is the first match of the night so far that I was able to turn my brain off and just enjoy. Again, it's you know you can tell the difference between people who are really good at this and people who aren't. And there was just so much more from this episode uh, that I wanted to put in here, but the, this episode was a two-hour episode, and there's just so much for me to cover. And, you know, there was a part that I really liked about uh, the metal chairs, and anytime there were props that were coming out, uh, basically my, my unga bunga part of my brain got really, really excited for. And, again, I just, there was just a couple times I said it, and I couldn't, I couldn't squeeze all of it on into during those clips of the wrestling episode. This next section of clips comes from the Yu-Gi-Oh! episode, episode 11. And I got a lot of comments from my opinions on this game. I know Yu-Gi-Oh! has a massive, massive fan base. And a lot of friends of mine still play the game actively. And this is probably the game or the episode that I had the most, received the most criticism about in terms of my experience with the game. And, oh, I'm playing it wrong or I built the wrong deck or whatever for me. That's why I didn't enjoy the game. Um, but I, I think you'll have a fun time because I, I know you enjoy trading card games. Yeah, so my trading card game of choice is Magic the Gathering. And I haven't Boomer. really played actively as of late. Um, obviously, like, I, I still have, a, you know, some of my main decks. I've torn apart a couple of them and I've sold most of my extra cards at this point. So I, I kind of just have, like, you know, my eight or nine decks that I still keep, like, as, like, a kind of like a memento of, like, when I was really, really actively playing. You know, and if some case, just in case someone goes, "Hey, I want to play," you know, uh, Magic the Gathering, or I'm looking to learn it. I have some decks that are relatively simple to learn and play, so that's kind of like my whole shtick, right? Like I like relatively not simple, but like I I keep like a baseline of like you know stuff around just so I can play stuff. Yu Gi Oh. Thank you for thank you for just powering through me, calling you a boomer when you started talking about magic. No, absolutely. I I, I, totally <laughs> say that I, I chose the old man game compared to the, these these young and spry Yu Gi Oh magic anime players. <laughs> these um, fucking Vanguard kids and their Digimons their Digimon and all these other and games. Vice and their Pokemonses. Um. Ooh, speaking of uh, uh, Bratwurst or Weisswurst or whatever that other game is. Yeah, Weisswurst, yeah. Weisswurst, yeah, Weisswurst. <laughs> Fine, whatever. Um, we'll take it. 
Yeah. So I, I just bought a couple of singles, right? I'm, I'm building a dinosaur deck and I'm on like the final couple of cards before this thing is finally playable. And one of the vendors I bought cards from sent me three of the vice versed or whatever this game is cards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're like these shiny little hollow anime girl cards that are in Japanese. I have no idea what they are. I have no idea what they mean, but I have them. Nice. So I'm three cards into a vice versed deck. Maybe even When's the last like, time maybe, I played a Yu-Gi-Oh! video game? Yu-Gi-Oh! video game, ooh, probably middle school. I was probably like 12 or 13. I had like the uh, the Forbidden Memories, the one that like... Oh, one that you're played, in for a fun treat. The one that played like nothing like the actual game, where you just combine yep. random cards and just made random shit. Like that was... Uh, so, fair listener, um, you may not know this, but during the early, early era of Yu-Gi-Oh!, there wasn't actually a card game for the game developers and even the manga artists to draw from. So basically, they were all kind of throwing stuff at the wall to see if it stuck. And that's why all those early Yu-Gi-Oh games and all the early Yu-Gi-Oh anime and manga seasons play completely differently and act completely differently from the actual card game. So, you, you know, we're not talking about 8,000 lives and tribute summoning and forget even any of the extra deck monsters that have come into play now. I mean, the 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 moon or like the the zodiac system that forbidden memories has right where you have like sun moon neptune jupiter right those those designations that was something that they tried out that didn't end up getting included into the game all the monsters are like 1200 attack yeah basically. and then there's also completely busted cards like raigeki and pot of greed and dark hole and all that so it, it it's funny to go back and play those and see how completely different they are and how things could have been so completely different had one of those ideas stuck. But there's a big thing of like me just like I like to like sit down, especially when I'm building a deck, just sit down and have all the cards like sitting in front of me. And just like try to figure out what goes where and what can work with what kind of deal. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. There's not as much of that here. I mean, there is because you can build your deck still and, you know, get highlight all the cards and stuff. <coughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> leave it in. Uh, I can <laughs> um, leave it all in. Yeah, I'm, I'm, dying. I'm just dying. <laughs> That's um, fine. I choked on my spit. Um, <laughs> I know one of you sickos <clears throat> love that. <laughs> um, that's when I also remembered. Oh, I should probably look at like see what the the decks they have built into the game. And I saw there's dragon maids in there, and I was like, "Yo, let's go! <laughs> this is this is my deck. I'm in." Um. It's a dragon maids. I was like, they're cute. This is the, the this is a deck made for me. I, I thought super heavy samurai was my thing. No, dragon waifu. That's this is exactly what I want. <laughs> <laughs> you have like an elo attached to your account and your name, right? Right. Half the time I'm like, I'm just gonna play my solo green deck, my mono green deck, just because I this is the deck that I like. I don't. I know it's not meta, but I'm gonna play it because it's the most fun thing that I have to play, and it's surprisingly useful still, right? Mm -hmm. here it feels like no every person out online is out for blood <laughs> and it's like yo we're in rookie rank bro calm down you don't need to you don't need to go ham right and no and a lot of that stuff like especially when you get people that are are just starting you'll get people best Yu-Gi-Oh deck and then they'll just go by that i think once you get to honestly i think once you kind of get to the higher levels like me you know when, when you're in gold and, and platinum and diamond and you're playing the casual modes, like you're gonna find people that are, are playing random 
strategies or like for me like i'll i love playing tunes which is a very hit or miss deck in casual match i like playing uh like gaia the fierce knight Mm. decks they're just fun but there is a level of skill and i guess if you want to call it sweatiness that comes with every deck because any deck needs to be able to special summon powerful monsters and get a card on the field that has you know five thousand attack or four thousand attack yeah of course i understand that's the point of the game but it's just like that, again, you mentioned that it's like usually between turn two to turn four. That's like most of these games are decided by then, right? Right. It is just so fast. That is like the biggest thing for me. I am like, again, like overwhelmed by just like how fast this game is, which is cool mm-hmm. to some extent, right? Like, I, I like the idea that like, oh, okay, I lost. Cool. Okay, move along, right? Just play again. Just find another person. Just play again. And hopefully my deck works better the next time. Right. But it's like, the thing is, I feel like with other card games it's like you feel like a sense of pride i guess to some extent where it's like i'm getting i'm playing against a deck that i know hard counters my deck or like my deck can't particularly deal well with their deck right Mm -hmm. let's let's okay so let's just say i'm playing uh mono green in magic the gathering right it's just big beefy monsters or and then a bunch of little guys right and I just beef all of them up at the same time, and now you have to deal with it. Green doesn't deal well with like art, uh, artifacts and spells that don't allow me to attack with certain monsters. Like, so if I play like against a blue white control deck, a green deck can have a decent amount of trouble with it. Like mm-hmm. a lot, of, a lot, a lot of trouble with it because I don't have things that can, you know, I don't have a lot of cards in green that like remove um, like uh, limiters on your cards, right? In in the way the way I in the way I play green is like okay you you locked up one of my big monsters cool I'm just gonna play another big monster and hopefully you have to deal with him next right that's really it mm-hmm. and in some and some cards like shroud or um like uh, hexproof that's that like so it's like okay you can't you can't target my monsters anymore with spells and stuff right there or or effects um it's it's stuff like that that like the green usually has as like a defense towards that stuff but. It, for the most part, it's more just like I'm if I'm playing against like a blue white control deck or a black black blue or a black red, where it's just like I'll just destroy target monster or whatever or a creature, whatever. It's like I'm gonna have a bad time, but at least I can I I can try to play it out and see how my deck plays out because because it is slower paced, right? I can I can try to amass an army before I start getting locked down. In mm-hmm. in Yu Gi Oh, it's like again like turn two, even if I, and especially especially when I have a bad turn one. Like I just don't, I just don't pull, I just don't draw well for my first hand, right? And was there a mulligan option? I, I didn't see if that was no, no. Okay, yeah. So no, nope, you get what you get. Yeah, so there's that too. So it's like if you get screwed, if you get screwed in your first draw, like there were plenty of times when I'm like, I'm taking five thousand damage to the face in turn two, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, this, like you know, in my mind, this one's over. Like, and and that's kind of defeatist of me. I like, I tried to, I tried my best to play stuff out, right? I was like. Maybe turn two. Um, I have some stuff. I have something in here that I know can negate damage. Like I've got something, or like return damage back <laughs> to sender. I've got something. I know I do. Hopefully, I draw it. Nope. Cool. Okay, game's over. You know what I mean? It's right. like I, I, I will try to play most games out, but there was there is like in that starting phase, it's like okay, I've taken four thousand damage in turn two. I'm assuming my chance. Yeah, it's to, not over. To, I know. It's, I know it's not. But it's like I'm assuming because of like the way, especially when I was still like 
getting the materials to properly build my deck. It was like, I don't have, I know for sure I don't have anything in here to remove stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. okay. I'm, I, this is probably over for me. And like, I'd pull a card, cool, surrender. I'm just gonna move along, find another game, go again. And then the more materials I got, the more I was able to get cards to fill out my deck to deal with stuff like that, right? Like, just to, to cancel or negate damage or whatever. Um, or remove, remove creatures from the, from my opponent's side of the, of the, uh, the board. Mm-hmm. And when I got to that, like, when I, was able to fill out my deck a little bit more. Yeah, then I would play stuff out more often than not. And like, you know, like never give up hope on actually trying to make a comeback. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a very fast game. And uh mm-hmm. that's that's again kind of like the issue that I had with when I was playing with my when I, my friends were trying to teach me this again a couple of years ago of trying to get back into Yu-Gi-Oh. Not that Yu-Gi-Oh is not strategic. Huh. Absolutely. I'm not I'm, I'm absolutely not saying that. Yu- Yu-Gi-Oh has a lot of strategy going into it, especially because you guys are so heavily focus on the early turns of the game right instead of try, you know mm-hmm. trying to end the game as as quick as possible there's a lot going on there but i think for me i prefer a deck builder game that is more of a slow burn me being an old man and play, playing magic <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> you know because there, there's there is a bit of like um not like um not like a paralysis to it, but you know, it's, it's, again, it's overwhelming. It's just like, man, there's, there's a lot going on and I feel like I'm mm-hmm. getting shit on every time I play this, every time I just go into a match, uh, which, which it was, there was a lot of me getting shut on <laughs> when I was getting into a match. I will absolutely swear that I'm not good at this game. Uh, mm-hmm. that being said, uh, I do like the dragon made deck that I have gotten to and it feels comfortable enough that I can actually play it and actually win a couple matches. Yeah, I want to say like I think my win record right now in ranked is like probably like a point point five point six or so. Not uh, terrible. Not terrible. No, especially for right a, considering a, you've never really played the game all that uh, much. At, lately. Yeah, at, at least in this in this style of Yu Gi Oh, right? No, right. no, no beat sticks, right? Mm-hmm. Not terrible. I like. I remember I would, I lost a bunch of matches early on. Again, I'm playing and I'm playing uh, the ranked mode. Uh, right, whatever it's called, because uh, I know it's free duel and something else. Yeah, ranked and free. That's yeah. it for now. Yeah, so this, yeah, so just just ranked and um, yeah, like I went on a short win streak just because I got lucky off of the draw, uh, you know, first first draw of the game, and uh, the other person didn't. Um, I don't know if that's luck. That means your deck is is consistent. If you're if you're drawing well in your opening hands, yeah, but I think right? it, it, yeah, I guess, but it's also like again, I think that this there's like a flexibility thing as well, which I enjoy about Magic the Gathering, if that makes sense, right? Like okay. I get, let's say I get a shitty draw for my first turn, right? But because the game ramps up much slower, I have the option to try to bail on like an initial, initial uh, play style or something like, you know, uh, play speed and like, okay, I can tank a couple hits early on. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I can get hit like two, three times in a row because no one's going to have anything that's like a 10 10 on the field turn three. Mm hmm. So it's like, I'll, okay, I'll take three damage the first turn. Next turn, okay, I'll take another three damage. That's fine. Next turn, I'll take eight damage. Cool. I'm still in the game. I pick an I pick a card style or an anime style like that, uh, you know, a monster style that I enjoy, and I'm just gonna run with it. And then I'll start playing other stuff later on, right? Like you know, I, everyone knows Dark Magician, uh, Blue Eyes White Dragon, Red Eyes Black Dragon, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I I like waifus, so like I uh, dragon <laughs> dragon made deck. It's like yeah, that's what I assumed was gonna be. I'm gonna see in, like the low levels, right? But the fact that I was seeing, like, I don't, I have no idea what the hell this card does. And then, like, you know, I, it just became like, um, uh, yes, of course, again, like me learning what it does. But it's like, 
but for upon my first time seeing it, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna play the game and see how it goes. And then it's like, anytime I did something, I felt like I was getting punished for it, even though they hadn't actually played anything. That being I think so- just kind of from looking at Battle and Boxer, like a deck list or two here, I think the reason why you see it at the low levels is because all of the cards are rare or normal rarity. Mm. So it's a very easy free to play sort of deck that you can you can putz through. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the cards that I look because I look uh, you know because you can see your because uh, you can see your opponent's card list, right? Right. Yeah. Yes, so you like, can. So I I would look at that and just like just you know quick search and I was like okay so I'm assuming that they're playing this because it is like a cheaper deck to play right you don't need to spend any money to play to, to get the cards to acquire the cards for it right mm-hmm. and yeah it was just like it was really annoying like it was it was a lot of people uh-huh. playing that deck and I was like this is I'm not having fun preach um and I I guess the last thing that I uh, I can I want to really um get my get my thoughts out on here specifically is i'm gonna allude to something that i mentioned in our first episode of uh of our podcast which was uh, slay the spire right where go on in in this in slay the spire it is incentivized for you to break the break the game right to some extent by building a deck that breaks the game and does so right mm-hmm and that's fine because you're playing against a CPU. In this game, you want to do the same thing, right? Because you're playing against another, per- but you're playing against another person. So they're actively trying to do the same thing to you, which doesn't feel good if you're on the receiving end of it. Mm-hmm. So you know, again, you can attribute, <clears throat> you can toss, you can toss it up to like, well, then make sure your deck does it better and does it first. Yes, right, pretty much. That's true. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, the game's about winning. That's the whole point, right? But uh-huh. it's, it's like there's just that that bit of me that is like that makes me bounce off of games, especially like again, early, especially early on, right? Especially in the low levels when I, I assume everyone else is trying to learn. I, I I feel like it's like it's um it's because everyone's trying just to win. I feel like. Again, this could also just be the way I learn games. It's like I have no problem with losing. I have an issue with losing in a way that I can't stop, especially early on, because I don't actually get to learn the game. I get it. I dig it. Does that make sense? So without me just being like a sounding like a baby? No, 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 no. no. Like, I, I think it makes I, sense. I, it's like that. I understand that people are trying to win. Yes, they're they're learning how to win, but they're not learning how to deal with a bad situation, in my opinion. And especially in a game, especially in a card game that can get very, very deep, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about just Yu-Gi-Oh, Master Guy, any card, any card game that have, requires any, you know, any little inkling of strategy, right? You have to learn how to be on the back foot as well, which I think that the, um, especially in the low ranks, people would just leave if you just, you know, you, you, you deal with one thing they don't want to play anymore. Now, I know it seems that I was pretty down on Yu-Gi-Oh! most of this episode. Uh, again, I have no problem with the game. If you enjoy the game, go ahead and play it. I did try to go back to the game like a week later afterwards again. And again, I had a good time. And then something happened. And I was like, yep, okay, I do not like this game. Um, again, more more of essentially what I consider BS in terms of how the game plays versus what I do and don't like. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, we're not always going to agree on whatever we put out here for the for the podcast. 
And so this last set of clips comes from our longest running series, if you want to call it that. But I brought Jeff into the world of John Wick. And Jeff had an ongoing bit that he loved to call back on, which I it is just <laughs> so stupid. But I but I, I did find it funny, very funny. And um, but yeah, like now that I've got him into the world of John Wick, we all enjoy it. Good stuff. Uh, go watch John Wick four. And here we go. Here's the last section here we have for the for you guys. And now all I have are my, you know, pack of twelve. <laughs> yeah, generic ass uh, pens here. Get the bicker target, just up and up target pens or whatever. Not even. I I, I don't even get bic. I get I get caliber. Caliber. What the Shout outs you, to caliber. I don't even know what that is. Sponsor the pod. Is it any good? Yeah, I mean they finally get the job I done. Mean, sponsor, I mean they sponsor the pod. Of course they're good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> it's funny, yeah, it's because now as an adult we only write with pens, right? But I use I still I hate writing with pens. I prefer writing with pencil, and I still to still do to this day. Something about the friction of it on paper just changes for me. And it's not the finality of it, I think, too, is the big thing. You can erase pencil. Yeah, yeah, I'm not good with committing to pen because of it. Uh, speaking of committing, <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard of a man of focus, commitment, and sheer fucking will? Rocky? <laughs> well, he's also one of them. Yes, he's also... <laughs> I guess this covers a much wider umbrella of people than I thought it was initially going to. Yes. <laughs> but uh, segueing, clearly perfect segue into our topic for this episode, is the man of focus, commitment, and sheer fucking will, John Wick. Oh, I've been meaning to watch these videos, uh, these movies. This and, is exciting. And I was genuinely upset when I found out you hadn't watched this yet. <laughs> I Look, was, man, you get busy, you're... Uh... You get into a relationship, you get married. Sometimes <laughs> it's harder to watch cheesy action movies. Cheesy action? I will. You will not slander this all movie. Right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. My bad, my bad. Okay. Just action movies. I'm, I'm just used to always watching cheesy action movies, so everything gets lumped into there. Yeah, I mean, for, for it, it kind of gets like that, right? Where the second one sometimes is the darling, sometimes the first one's the darling, sometimes the third one is... Uh, sometimes the fourth one when he fights the big guy from Russia and he beats him and uh, <laughs> saves the world, you know, sometimes that's the best one by far. Jeff, Rocky Four is the worst of the Rocky movie. Not the worst. It's, it's not as good of a Rocky movie as you we're think gonna it is. We're going to have to talk about this. We're, gonna have to just, we're just going to have to hammer this out one like, of these we know, days. Like we but... know Five is bad. We, know, we That's fine. We, we all, five we all, is bad. We all understand that. But Four is not as good as you think it is. Four is better than you think it is. <laughs> I'm I'm sure that we're, there's probably a middle ground here, but like you you need to hop off Ford's dick. So. No, nope, never in my life. Best soundtrack, best maybe the best soundtrack, but definitely the most fuck yeah America of the movies. Man, I don't, bro. The, the tra- uh, Rocky One's training montage is so much better. <laughs> like I don't, I don't care what I'm is. not gonna deny that the movie that won an Oscar is better in certain things than than a movie that didn't. <laughs> But I'm just saying. And moving forward, barring any sort of miracle, I guess, or unless, you know, the guy in charge rewrites the rules or, you know, lets John fart on somebody's balls or something, right? <laughs> that's, that's just going to be written into, the, into, the John, into John Wick 4. <laughs> that's basically what happens in John Wick 4. We, he we, farts we, on somebody's oh, balls and so he gets. We spoiled the movie for you guys. I'm sorry. We, we, he we, gets excommunicadoed <laughs> again. <laughs> We saw, we saw a screener. We figured it out. I'm sorry, guys. We just, we just, 
<laughs> I talked to Keanu. He he ate his weight in Taco Bell the night before. And... We got a wide panning shot of the Statue of Liberty reminding us that we're still in New York. Reminder, at the end of John Wick 2, John was labeled excommunicado, and we watched John running towards the city, right? And catching the attention of a bunch of casually dressed assassins mixed into the crowds. Because he farted on someone's balls. <laughs> God damn it, shut up. No, he didn't fart on anyone's balls. God damn it. <laughs> I just I paused because I saw Jeff like I thought he was sneezing and I was like, I'm gonna let him I'm gonna pause and let him sneeze. No, and he comes back to fucking bring back the bit from the last episode. Fucking hell. Ugh. All right. Okay. Good. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for listening to part one of our anniversary extravaganza. We really hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane. We'll see you next week for part two. And and yes, in case you are wondering, I am recording this at 6.43 in the morning uh, on a Bluetooth headset in my car so I don't wake my child. The things I do for you people. So make sure you rate, subscribe, review, share with a friend, and keep listening and keep enjoying what we're doing. Thanks.